Hi folks, so I'm here today at the Wearable Technology and Augmented Reality Show in London with Ori Imbar, who has just presented a report entitled Smart Glasses Market 2015 Towards 1 Billion Shipments. Ori is the founder and producer of Augmented World Expo, now in its sixth year, and also the co-founder and CEO of Augmento, a company conceived to develop, publish augmented reality games. He is also responsible for the tremendously well-regarded site, augmentedreality.org. Uh, a very well-respected figure in the field of AR, and it's enormously kind of him to make time to talk with us today. Ori, thanks for your time. How are you today? Awesome. It's great to be talking with you. It's nice to meet you. I'd like to start, if I may, at the beginning, uh, at the introduction of the report, you speak about the inevitability of augmented reality uh, in the context of human evolution and how AR resolves a fundamental human need to both feel the world at a deeper level and to extend our natural senses. Can you explain that in a little more detail and maybe tell us why you believe AR will succeed at becoming the next paradigm in human-computer interaction? Yeah, I mean, if you go back, uh, let's say, a million years uh, to look at the uh, sources of evolution of, of the humankind, we always learned and evolved through interacting with our environments. You know, hacking things, playing with things, and that's how we learned. That's how our brain evolved. And only in the last 40 years, we started interacting most of our day with a computer, using keyboard and mouse and looking at the screen, which is totally unnatural, unnatural for the humankind. So I think, you know, we're now kind of going back into the real world with augmented reality. And, and I think in a few years, we'll look back at those 40 years uh, with the computers as a really awkward moment in time where people, for some weird reason, reason used to just stare at screens, you know? I, I completely feel that. I was talking uh, with a guy called uh, Dr. Raphael Grossman a little while ago, who's a, a glass explorer, but he's also a surgeon. And he's been doing a lot of work uh, with glass uh, in, in a medical context. Uh, and he was saying that basically, he, uh, if you think about the personal interaction between a physician and a patient, which is such a personal moment, uh, such a personal context with health, uh, especially as wearables and all of this stuff relates to health so intimately now, he was saying how fundamentally bizarre it is that you have uh, a clinician sitting in a room uh, waiting to discuss something deeply personal who then turns away and spends three quarters of the interaction time staring at a screen rather than looking at the patient. Obviously, augmented reality, glass was trialed in that way, offers ways for surgeons and doctors to, be, to, to maintain contact with a patient whilst getting relevant information. Absolutely. And, and you know what? There's, uh, speaking of uh, hospitals, uh, there's a new device on augmented reality glasses that allows nurses to see your veins through the, the skin. So that basically allows them to not miss your vein when you try to pull out blood, blood, and it's kind of giving them nothing. I mean, I can't explain it other, otherwise than an X-ray view into your body, which is kind of mind-blowing, and it's, it's actually performing a very important task. It's extraordinary. I mean, uh, my next question would be, where do you think we currently are in the development of the AR market? We obviously have a lot of players in the game now. Uh, you've termed it a gold rush to market. Is anybody succeeding yet? Uh, and if not, well, when will they? And who do you believe is best placed to take advantage of the increasing interest of consumers and enterprise? So quick history of uh, augmented reality. It was born over 40 years ago, and then it was hidden in labs. Nobody heard about it until basically 2007 and 8, when iPhone and then Android phones came out. And all of a sudden, you had all the ingredients you need in a great augmented reality experience. And that created the first uh, evolution. Lots of companies got in. And consumers started to understand the, the potential of that. Uh, a few companies actually became very successful with that. Bleepar, for example, a uh, company here based in here here in the UK. Um, they, you spoke with them? Yeah, man, they just um, 
they just announced a, a big round of investment and they have you know over 200 employees that's that's big <laughs> but the thing with smartphones is that at the end of the day it's kind of awkward to hold it in front of your face it's it's also uh, providing only a very narrow field of view so I think we're all seeing those uh, as a stepping stones towards the, the real vision of augmented reality using smart glasses. Uh, but actually, it's not just smart glasses. Projection-based augmented reality, I think, is going to have its own niche. And uh, in some cases, it will be uh, even more um, popular than, than smart glasses because, you know, you don't need anything to wear. It's just out there. Uh, so last year and this year, uh, we're seeing significant development happening in the enterprise. You know, everybody is now is saying that now, but it's we actually identified it last year where uh, there are some successes on the consumer space, but most of the investments in hardware and software and implementations is happening in the enterprise. Fortune 1000 companies that are realizing that smart glasses are solving a problem that none of the existing technologies can solve. And essentially it's, you know, whenever you have a worker that needs information in the field of view, uh, they need their hands free, there's nothing else that can deliver that. So uh, that's where it's, it's growing very fast and it's viewed as a competitive advantage for those companies because they improve their business processes, they become safer in many cases and, and cheaper. So you know, it adds the bottom line and, and it kind of justifies the future development of that. My next question, Ori, would be, you've discussed the near relationship of virtual reality and augmented reality. You called them, I believe, close cousins. You've also said that you believe AR will prevail because it allows direct interaction with the real world. You've also said that the two will eventually become indistinguishable. Could you please explain what you mean by that and why you believe that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, virtual reality and augmented reality are very close friends because, you know, a lot of the technologies, the skills that they're using are, are overlapping between the two. However, there's a, at least at this point, there's a very distinct difference. Virtual reality is basically blocking the real world and, and bringing you to a whole new world, which in some use cases is fantastic. Augmented reality, on the other hand, keeps you in the real world and only enhances it and makes whatever you do better, in a sense. So in that sense, they're, they're very different. And, and you see some people that are kind of more attracted to virtual reality, while others are more into augmented reality. I think it's part of it is style. But I think what we discussed before, the fact that at the end of the day, we are uh, creatures that need to interact with the, the world. We want to be in the moment in whatever we do. Augmented reality will, will take a, a bigger part of our day. So, you know, we may get into our virtual reality system at some point, maybe for some gaming or entertainment, simulation, training, all sorts of things like that. But most of the day when we're in the real world, we're going to use augmented reality. Fascinating. I mean, from your analysis of the current market, what prototypes and innovations are on the horizon that we can expect to both uh, move the needle forwards a little bit um, or even potentially change the game? What should we be watching out for in the next 12 to 24 months? So on the hardware side, um, as we said today, it's the first time in history where we have over 10 products shipping to the market, smart glasses shipping to the market. And, and that's phenomenal. Uh, however, we also know that these are all kind of 1.0 products, which means that you know they still have a long way to go before they can be mass deployed. Uh, you know, you need to shrink them in si size, increase the field of view, increase the battery time, and all sorts of other aspects. Um, and, and that's going to take some time. But 
the current uh, generation is using one of two technologies typically. It's waveguides and curved mirrors. And, and they've been doing a great job for now, but they, they have some limitations. And the, probably the biggest limitation is the field of view. If you want to increase that, you have to increase the size, and then it becomes too bulky to be used, either by enterprises or consumers. Uh, and what's really cool is that we're seeing a bunch of companies, startups, that are trying to leapfrog and, and kind of break this barrier of about 40-degree field of view. Companies, you know, everybody heard of Magic Leap. There's also iWay, uh, Composite Light, which was just acquired by Intel, and a few others which are taking a, a whole new approach, which will hopefully solve probably in a couple of years, because most of them are only in the concept phase right now. But it will solve a lot of the challenges and a lot of the limitations that glasses have today. Things like, you know, brightness outdoors, or things like uh, high resolution. Focus. Focus right now is a big issue, because in most glasses, it's fixed in a certain distance, but in reality, the world has many distances. So these, these glasses are going to uh, be able to solve these problems, and, and we're really excited to see them coming to market. I just have a couple more questions for you. Basically, if, with so many entrants now in this market, one thing that, that occurs to me is how do we ensure coherence and standards uh, going forward? Because obviously, hardware manufacturers want to innovate, software developers want to produce new software. How do we can ensure that, they, the, that these platforms can develop in an integral way uh, that allows them to be easily understandable and widely distributed? It's a very valid question, because right now it's the Wild West. Uh, you have dozens of hardware companies. I counted about 35. Uh, you have hundreds of software developers, tools, services, applications, and each one of them is re reinventing the world. Because it's, it's really, it's, this is literally the Wild West, or you know, in the, uh, the movie history, it's like 1903. So the, the camera was invented, but now everybody's inventing what film is. Some think it's theater, some think it's something else. So we're literally inventing this new language. And until we figure out what's the right way to do it, especially in terms of the interaction. So how do you interact with the real world when you have no keyboard or mouse inside? And a lot of uh, attempts to solve it, you know, with uh, touchpads and microphones and uh, gesture interactions and uh, things like the Mayo armband, which tracks your movement of the hand, or even EEG, you know, brainwave capturing. So right now it's, it's completely open and, and uh, I think in the next few years we're going to start seeing some, I don't know if it's going to be standards per se, but it's going to be guidelines and knowledge captured in best practices yeah. that create really uh, valuable experiences that work. That's fascinating. I mean, my final question, Ori, is do you have any thoughts about how this technology will impact us culturally? I mean, the way we see ourselves. I know that augmented reality pioneer Steve Mann once said that we, we need both augmented and diminished reality simply to comprehend the complexity of the machine intelligences we are devising. What do you think are the, are the main effects of large-scale growth in smart glass technology will be? I think the, the fundamental uh, change... Uh, is completely changing the way you know uh, humankind is perceived and, and uh, operated by, by itself. I mean, if you think about some of the examples that we just talked about today, they're basically giving people superpowers. But it's not like you know, a hundred years from now, you know, using brain implants and all sorts of uh, bionic technology. This is actually using our natural senses, you know, our, our vision, our sight. I mean, our our, uh, our ears, our, our touch. Uh, senses to to enhance them and to to give us more information about the world than we, we usually have. 
And, and that, that is going to allow us to do everything that we do better, whether it's work, play, study, uh, or what have you. It's, it's going to make us uh, basically superhumans in a sense, but in a way that we can really uh, evolve into in a very natural way. Ori, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Uh, thank you for contributing to this fascinating conversation about AR. And good luck uh, with all your future endeavors. Very best of everything. Thank you. It was a pleasure.